Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. Good morning, good morning, and happy Mother's Day. Um, Praise God for our moms. Specifically, I just want to say, I love you, Mommy. Okay, getting back on track. Um, Please join me in reading from the book of Joshua, chapter 2, starting from verse 1. Rahab and the spies. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of the prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent his message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close a city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up um, to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, and then go your way. Now the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on unless when we enter the land you will have tied this scarlet cord. 
to the window through which you have let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. May the Lord bless our hearing and response. Amen. Amen. Welcome and happy Mother's Day again. I am uh, blessed with wonderful mothers in my life. I'm so thankful for the mothers in my life. My mom, of course, if you're watching, and I hope you are at some point, you know, it's going to be out there on the internet forever, please. Mom, happy Mother's Day. Uh, You've been a wonderful mom to me. My grandmothers were wonderful moms. I'm so thankful for them. I'm thankful uh, for for my wife's mom who who lives with us and is here today. And, And my wife, who I'm thankful for, is a wonderful mother to our two children. Um, Of course, she's not my mother, but if you press her just a little bit, she will tell you she has three children rather than two. It's the biggest round of applause I've gotten this week. That's for Amy, absolutely, for Amy. See what I do. All right, so uh, for Mother's Day today, I want to take a look uh, with you at the life and legacy of Rahab, an amazing person from the Bible who you might not have ever even heard of before. She is incredible. We're going to dig down deep into her life and in her legacy today. And because I have done what I usually do and have about 90 minutes worth of material, I'm going to dispense with the introduction and jump right in to, to Rahab's life and legacy. The first thing that we see about Rahab, well, actually, I do need to say this. We're going to look at, we're going to look first at, at Rahab's heart and then at her legacy and, and finally at her person and see how all three of those things come together with an invitation for us at the end. So let's look at Rahab's heart. There are three dimensions to Rahab's heart that are equally important and equally essential for us to really see her as a person and, and be part of her legacy. The first is Rahab. Rahab had a heart of courage. That one just jumps right off the page. Rahab had a heart of courage. To really see how much courage she had, we need to get get our brains wrapped around the context of the story that Flora read here this morning. Um, Rahab lived in the city of Jericho, and Jericho was the first stop on the Israelites' army's journey through the promised land to conquer and take possession of the promised land. Now, this journey started all the way back in Egypt, uh, you know, years before. Moses, God through Moses, led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and led them through the Red Sea, made a path for them through the sea, and then God wiped out the entire Egyptian army when they tried to follow them through the Red Sea. Then along the way, uh, they stopped at Mount Sinai. They got the Ten Commandments. It's all good. They got to the border of the promised land the first time, the land that God had promised them the first time. They chickened out. They wouldn't go in, and God said, let's try it again. We'll go back to the wilderness. We'll spend another 40 years there. Then we'll come back and try again. 40 years now, Moses is dead. Aaron is dead. And Joshua is the new leader of the Israelites and on the verge of entering this land that God has promised them. In fact, promised Abram 
Abraham, hundreds of years later, would belong to his descendants. And, and they're there, they've conquered nations and armies on their way. They're getting ready to enter. Joshua sends a couple of spies into the land. Again, the first stop is the walled city of Jericho, a city-state. They get there, they're spying it out. Rahab knows who they are. She knows their spies from the invading army from the foreigners coming in to conquer her nation and her people. And she hides them. She harbors them. Rahab, you know, when I heard this story as a kid growing up, and, and, you know, Rahab's the good guy because we know that the Israelites are the good guys. And so Rahab's helping the Israelites. That makes her the good guy. But from Rahab's, everybody else around her, in her city, in her nation, among her people, she's a traitor. She's committing treason. The king knows they've come into her place, and he sends messengers to her, Rahab, give us the spies that are in your house. She's like, spies? What spies? I don't see any spies here. She lies to the king's men. She's lying to the king. If she gets caught, she's going to be executed as a traitor executed for treason. Rahab has a heart of courage to stand up to the political and social forces around her. Hear this, hear this, Joshua chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. But the woman had taken the two men, the spies, and hidden them. She said to the king's men, yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. Maybe you'll catch them. Rahab had courage to stand there and tell a bald-faced lie to armed soldiers representing the might of the king coming to get something from her. Rahab reminds me a little bit here of of Margaret Thatcher. Now, I know not everybody agrees with everything Margaret Thatcher did, but I I think you're going to, you know, Margaret Thatcher is an example of tremendous courage. She was another woman in leadership in a man's world. She was operating in a sphere that was almost entirely dominated by men. And and she had this to say about her political career. When I'm out of politics, I'm going to run a business. I'll call it rent a spine. She had to have courage just to get to that position. And she thrived in that position. And she had little time or patience for people who lacked courage. Rahab had a heart of courage. But she didn't just have courage. If Rahab had just had courage, she could have stopped there, saved her skin. She could have run off with the Israelite spies, hidden among She just turned her coat, said, They're stronger than their side is stronger than our side. I'm gonna change jerseys and go join their side. It'll be just like the NBA today, you know? And and it'll all be good. But she had more than a heart of courage, she also had a heart of love. Because she had a heart of love, it wasn't enough for her just to stand up to the king and just to save her own skin. She wanted to bring in as many people as she could. The people that she loved, her family. Hear these words. Now then, please, this is Rahab talking to the spies, swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them that you will save us from death. Rahab had a heart of love. It wasn't enough for her just to save herself. She wanted to save as many of the people that she loved as she could. I, I, 
I can't read the story of Rahab without thinking of Harriet Tubman. I, you know, so much alike, those two. So much courage, so much love. Harriet Tubman, too, had a moment where she escaped. She made it from the South across the Mason-Dixon line into freedom in the North. And she had to say this. Uh, she had this to say about that moment. She said, I had crossed the line. I was free. I forget. It's over here. I keep looking down here. One of these days, I've only been doing this on this screen for like a year now. I had crossed the line. I was free. But there was no one to welcome me to the land of freedom. I was a stranger in a strange land, and my home, after all, was down in Maryland because my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and friends were there. But I was free, and they should be free. That's a heart of love. Not just that I should be free, but they should be free. It's not enough for me to arrive. I need to bring other people with me. It's not enough for me to escape. I need to bring other people into the kingdom of God. It's not enough. Rahab didn't just have a heart of courage. She had a heart of love. But she didn't just have a heart of courage and a heart of love. Having those two things together is powerful and dangerous. If you don't doubt me, watch WandaVision. Wanda Maximoff. I know, you're going, what's the man talking about? He's got Margaret Thatcher, Harriet Tubman, and Wanda Maximoff all in the first point. Wanda Maximoff. If you haven't watched it, you won't know what I'm talking about, but you can find it on Disney Plus and then you'll know. Wanda Maximoff, very powerful hero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But at the point of the story of WandaVision, she's lost her husband and lost her brother. She's lost everyone she's ever loved and she's never had the children that she longed for. So out of love and courage, she enslaves an entire city so she can preserve her family. And, and it's kind of funny and weird in a TV show, but in real life, it's not. And that happens all the time in real life. It's reflected in that saying, maybe you've heard it before, my four and no more. You know, as long as I got my family cared for, the rest of the world can go to hell. And, and we see that. We see that. People saying, I'm going to preserve my own. I'll take care of my own. The people across the road or across the tracks or on the other side of town or the other side of the world, they got their problems. Let them deal with them. I'm going to take care of my own. That's what love and courage will do. Those people that do that, they love their families. And they've got the courage to stand up to forces of evil that are out there so long as it's protecting their family. But Rahab didn't just have a heart of love and a heart of courage. Rahab had a heart of discernment. And that changes everything. Because Rahab was not acting out of selfishness to preserve just the people she cared for from a stronger army. Rahab was acting to move herself and her family into God's movement and be part of what God was doing in the world. Did you hear that in what Flora read? Hear those words again from Joshua chapter 2. Rahab said to them, I know the Lord has given you this land. I know the Lord, Yahweh, she named their God. I know Yahweh has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how Yahweh, your God, the God, dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, 
Our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. But this is it. This next line, she sees that God is with them, that God's doing them, but she sees that God, this Yahweh, is much more than a territorial and tribal God who's just for the Israelites. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Rahab had a heart of discernment. And she could see that what was going on around her were not just kingdoms in conflict, not just military forces, not just partisan politics, but the hand of God was working and moving and she was bound and determined that she and her family were going to join God in what God was doing in this world, whatever it cost. Whatever it cost, she had a heart of discernment. You know, this... this Joshua chapter 2. Joshua's a, you know, he's got a whole book named after him. But Rahab, maybe they should have called this the book of Rahab. I don't know. Because Rahab in this chapter, she summarizes the whole rest of the book. In Joshua chapter 1, God's coming up to Joshua. Remember the first time the Israelites got to the promised land, they got scared and they ran away. Joshua four times in the first chapter is told by God, take courage. Be strong and courageous. Take courage. Be strong and courageous. And what do we see in Joshua chapter 2? An example of courage in Rahab. And God didn't show up to tell her this. She just saw it going on in the world around her. And then later on, when when Joshua's led the Israelites, they've crossed the Jordan River, they're marching to Jericho, and they see someone in the road ahead of them. I want you to hear these words from uh, from Joshua chapter 5. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or our enemies? He wanted to find out which side this guy was on. And the guy says, neither. I come as a commander of the army of the Lord. This guy said, I'm on God's side. Whose side are you on, Joshua? Because if you're just on your side, if you're just on the side of the Israelites, you're going to have problems if you're on God's side. That's what Rahab saw. Rahab saw that before Joshua ever saw it. Rahab saw it and said, I'm going to be on God's side. And this is not, this is not just a bunch of you know, strangers, foreigners coming in to invade our country. This is a movement of God and I will sacrifice everything. Like Jesus said about the person who finds a treasure buried in a field, they'll sell everything they have to buy that field, to get that treasure. Rahab saw the treasure and she was willing to sell it all to get it. To be part of what God was doing. To join with God's work in this world. That's Rahab's heart heart of courage, a heart of love, and a heart of discernment. And because she had this tremendous heart, she left an amazing legacy. First part of Rahab's legacy, three parts to her legacy we're going to look at today. The first part is that Rahab left a legacy of faith. Rahab. Rahab shows up in the Christian Hall of Fame. I shouldn't call it that. That trivializes it. But that's what my friends and I called it when we were in school. We went to a Christian school. And we, were, we had Hebrews 11 preached to us, and they started calling it the Christian Hall of Fame. They got detention for that. Um, I didn't do it in front of the teachers, so I didn't get detention. <laughs> this whole list and catalog of these amazing people of faith through the Hebrew Scriptures 
Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and right there with them is Rahab. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31 says, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab left us a legacy of faith. See, faith, faith is so much more. Faith is so much more than just believing. Everyone in Jericho believed that the Israelites were coming to do them harm and they were in a bad spot. They were melting with fear. The Bible tells us in, in the New Testament, that the demons believe in God and they tremble with fear. Right. Believing is, uh, by itself is not faith. Faith is when we act on our belief. Yes, faith is obediently hearing the word of God. It's following where God leads. And that's what Rahab did. She sheltered the spies. She drew her family in. She put herself in God's movement and was willing to be drawn in by God into that. She followed where God was going. And that's a legacy of faith. A legacy of faith as strong and as powerful as Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Daniel and all of these other big names from the Old Testament. But Rahab didn't just have a legacy of faith. She also leaves us a legacy of righteousness. A legacy of righteousness. This is what James, Jesus' blood brother, had to say about Rahab. In the same way was not even... I get up here again. It's still up here. I'll get it. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. Righteous. Rahab the prostitute. Righteous. We'll come back to that in a little bit later too, the prostitute part. Righteous. I grew up thinking righteous meant following the rules. Right. Um, following, finding the right, you had to find the right rules and follow the right rules and follow them rightly and that made you righteous. Um, Pastor Chip has helped me see that righteousness is more about relationship and being in right relationship with folks. And that's what righteousness is. And here's Rahab who put herself in right relationship with God and what God was doing by, by sheltering those spies and then sheltering her family. She was in right relationship with God. She was right relationship with these strangers from another land and another country who spoke another language, a right relationship with them and a right relationship with her family, bringing them along. And we have this legacy of righteousness from this person that is incredible. A legacy of faith, a legacy of righteousness, and a legacy of love. I'm repeating that from the first one. That's all right. I'm going to repeat it again before we're done. A legacy of love. The first person she passed love on to, she wasn't, she wasn't you know, Rahab was single when all of this stuff happened. Um, first person that we see that we know she passed her legacy on to was her son. She married Salmon, gave birth to Boaz, that may, that may name, may, might ring a bell for some of you. Boaz married Ruth, who was another stranger, another foreigner from another land with a strange language and a strange tongue and a different way of doing things. And, and if you don't know that story, I'm going to summarize it real quick here. Naomi, an Israelite, went with her husband, an Israelite, into a foreign land. They had two sons. Their sons married Orpah and Ruth. And then Naomi's husband died and both of her sons died and Naomi was left powerless and penniless and destitute. And she said to her daughters in 
mother-in-law, go back to your families, let them find other husbands for you. I got nothing to give you. And Orpah said, I understand. I love you, Naomi. Thanks. I'm going back. And Ruth said, I'm not. I'm staying with you, Naomi. She said this. It's amazing. She said, your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. And she went back. Now she's the foreigner. She's a stranger in a strange land among strange people. And she runs into who? Rahab's son, Boaz, who sees her love for Naomi, her mother-in-law. And is moved by that. And so make sure that, she, that Ruth is protected and sheltered as she gathers grain in his fields. And, and then she gives him a little, he gives her a little extra because he's kind of, you know, smitten with her. And then he marries her and gives her the shelter and the safety and the security of that relationship. How could this Israelite man defy the law which said Israelites can only marry Israelites and welcome this stranger and this foreigner this per- who because she's a stranger and a foreigner she's by definition of ill repute and can't really be trusted how can he do that because of his mom come on come on stop. because of his mom that's good his mom who welcomed and sheltered the strangers and the foreigners and taught her son to do the same. And he reached out and love and sheltered this woman. And you know how far that legacy of love extends? It extends all the way to Jesus. In Jesus' lineage, there are three women mentioned in Jesus' lineage, Bathsheba and Ruth and Rahab. In Jesus' lineage. And I got to think, we don't know. We're not told in the Bible, but I got to think a couple of things. One, that when Jesus was eating dinner in the houses of prostitutes, and people came up to him and said, Jesus, how can you eat this? Prostitutes, how can you associate with these? And Jesus, I got to think maybe he said, how can I not? You know who my my grandma is, don't you? My grandma's Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. How can I reject these women? How can I look down my nose at them when I think of Grandma Rahab? How can I do that? And then when Jesus was standing over the city of Jerusalem a week before he would die, and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I want to gather you in like a mother hen gathers her chicks. All I can see now is Rahab gathering her family in as a mother hen would gather her chicks. And then when Jesus stretched his hands out on the cross and those cords of red scarlet blood poured down, to gather us all in, all who would come. And we know Jesus was tempted off the path. We know Jesus was tempted just to take care of himself just to, or to seek earthly political power uh, or, or, or to lord it over everyone or to reject God entirely. We know Jesus was tempted by those things, but there he was hanging on the cross. And I got to think somewhere on the cross, he was also thinking of Rahab, Grandma Rahab, who laid it all down and put it all on the line so she could bring into safety and salvation her family whom she loved. And Jesus says, they're all my family. They're all my family. That's Rahab's legacy. A legacy of faith, a legacy of righteousness, a legacy of love. But we also have to see Rahab's person. 
this talk of legacy and, you know, uh, and, and things like love and courage and discernment and faith and righteousness, these are wonderful ideas. They're tremendous concepts, wonderful principles. But we're not that. We're not principles. We're not concepts. We're people. We have bodies. Our bodies matter. We are enfleshed spirits. You know, we're, we're, we, what we do with our bodies, where we put our bodies, with whom we put our bodies, it matters. Our bodies matter. And so let's take a look at Rahab's person, this concrete person. And the first thing we see is that Rahab is a woman. She is a woman in a man's world. Well, she's a woman in God's world, who think, but the men think it's a men's world. She's property. She's at the mercy of men around her. She is treated as if her life only is relevant to the extent it supports men around her and services men around her and serves men around her. She is a woman powerless at the bottom of the social scale. And yet here she is with this legacy that she is leaving. She's not just a woman. She's a young woman. She's a young woman. She, do, she doesn't even have the, the, the asset of years, the gray hair and the wrinkled skin that mark her as a person of experience and wisdom whose others can rely on. She's a young woman. She might, she might have been a teenager. She might have been in her early 20s. We don't know for sure. We know she was young. She was a young and a time when age, you know, we, we have a kind of a celebration of youth these days in a, in a weird way. We, we do and we don't. But, you know, she was in a day when, when how old you were mattered. Yeah. And she wasn't old. Yeah. She was young. She was a woman. She was a young, single woman. We do this in our culture, too. I know other cultures do it. We do this in our culture. We send this impression, either explicitly or implicitly, that you're not really grown up and you don't really matter until you're married and have kids. We do that. We marginalize single people in, in, in our culture. And, and, yeah, the church does it a lot, you know? And... And here's Rahab. She's not married. Not, you know, the stuff that got her listed in the book of Hebrews and the stuff that, that James was referring to all happened when she was single. Yet later she got married. She had Boaz. Awesome. But these acts of courage and faith and discernment were acts by a young, single woman that led to the salvation of her family and a ripple effect through thousands and thousands of years of history. She was a young, single woman prostitute. Let that sink in for just a minute. She was a prostitute. Religious folks don't like to deal with this kind of stuff. We, we like to gloss it over. If you go back and read the Talmudic writings, the commentaries on the ancient Hebrew scriptures, they tried to, they didn't like this. They didn't like this. And so they changed Rahab from a prostitute to an innkeeper. They sanitized her. They sanitized her, all right? And then, then they idealized her. They said she was one of the three most beautiful women in history. Three or four. I always get in the math, not my strong suit. She's, she was one of the, right up there with, with Ruth and Esther and some other person whose name I can't remember. And, and then there was Rahab, one of the four most beautiful women in history. They, they 
idealized her. And then they demonized her. And they said, she's so beautiful, a man can't even mention her name without falling into lust. You see what they did to this woman of such courage and discernment and faith and 